0: On Metro News,
1: the
2: voice of West Virginia, this is West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence. It tracks real super well, but um, not with a 60-pound carp tied to the side. It was a pretty
3: good workout getting the back of the dock.
2: Went in behind a little bird tree's head. I reached down and got the bow positioned and found its horns and dropped down and shot it in the neck. Get
4: ready. Get ready. There you go. Get in. Get in. Nice shot. Nice shot.
1: West Virginia Outdoors is proudly presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails, with over 600 miles of ATV trails located in the rich mountains of southern West Virginia. And now, here's West Virginia's voice of the outdoors, Chris Lawrence.
4: Morning, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Hunting and Fishing Talk on the radio. Glad to have you listening in wherever you might be all across the Great Mountain State, whether you're in West Virginia or if you're listening uh somewhere else around the nation we're glad to have you here every saturday morning our show is broadcast via metro news to radio stations throughout the great State. i think we're up to about 24 25 radio stations no matter where you are in west virginia if you hit scan on your radio dial and you pick up truck you'll be able to pick up the show somewhere between seven and eight o'clock And we're certainly grateful for that and uh, we also stream it at the uh, website wvmetronews.com, for those who might live beyond the state's borders in parts unknown and if you have an internet connection you can listen there and we're grateful for that as well so no matter how you uh, get the show we're glad to have you also we uh, archive this show every week in a podcast format and you can uh, go back if you if you are uh, if you don't listen live you can go back and listen to it later in the day or or later in the week if you want to in fact there's shows on there from several months ago that archive way back uh, you can do that on the podcast section of, w, of uh, wvmetronews.com and you just uh, click on outdoors and they're all there so if you want to check them out there's several that uh, that many of you have asked about like the chuck yeager show it's still posted back there you can go listen to it so that's uh, Uh, Whenever and wherever you listen, I'm grateful that you pay attention to what I say here on Saturday morning. I I hope that I deliver and impart some wisdom to you. Uh, We're kind of all over the place for this morning because, I mean, it's the last weekend in January and there's not a whole lot going on as far as outdoor stuff goes. And thanks to COVID, there's even less. Of course, last weekend we would have done the... uh, the national the uh, Nash, uh, the, uh the Hunt and fishing show at the Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center and uh, in Facebook this week all those memories of past ones have been coming up and that's just made me a little sad because that's one of the uh, the best times of the year when we all get together there at the Coliseum and Convention Center and swap stories and then just enjoy one another's company and man I hope we can do that next January I'm uh, I'm so looking forward to that even uh, even here a year out but uh, there are other things we're going to talk about you you may remember this story from a few months back. There was a bear illegally killed. I think it was in Upshur County. I have the story at the outdoors page at WVMetroNews.com in which they found the bear's paws had been cut off and then the bear had been discarded over on the side of the road. Well, There's an organization out of Asheville, North Carolina called Help Asheville Bears. That's the name of it. They found out about this and they put up some cash as a reward to help the DNR with that investigation and apparently it worked and they uh, they paid somebody they they're not going to obviously say who it was because the tip was anonymous but uh, they they paid off this week to somebody but they called in to tell me about it and uh, they have a pretty good organization that is really heavily involved in putting money behind investigation of Poaching, particularly of bears. So we'll we'll talk to them about their organization coming up in a moment. And a little bit later on, if you're on social media or if you you know, you, you've probably come across, if you're a fisherman, you've probably come across the WV Angler website, wvangler.com. That thing has sort of become the repository for all things fishing in West Virginia. Zach Pittman started that and he he maintains it. And what a, what a website it's become as a resource for fishermen in West Virginia. Well, they're celebrating a milestone this year, the 20th year for the WVangler.com website. So I thought that was where somebody suggested I ought to do a story on that. And I thought, heck yeah, it's the last weekend in January. We'll talk about that. So Zach Pittman will join us later in the show. And, uh, We'll find out about you know, what it takes to maintain that website and what it's become from what he originally thought it was going to be, because it's a big deal now, and it's bled over into social media, and and he just does a really wonderful job, and a lot of people get involved there, and there's a lot of good discussion about fishing in West Virginia. So Zach will join us here in a little bit from his home in Wetzel County, and we'll we'll uh, pick his brain a little bit about that. COVID obviously has impacted everything in our lives, and it's going to impact Groundhog Day this year. and. French Creek Freddy is not going to be the uh, star under the lights that he normally is on Tuesday, Groundhog Day, but he um, he will still make a prediction. It's just going to be very subdued and very virtual. Every year, the Wildlife Center, over the course of time, has become a popular activity on Groundhog Day there in uh, at French Creek, and Freddy's the star of the show. But this year, not going to be able to do that. I had an opportunity to speak to Trevor Moore, who incidentally is the new uh biologist at the uh, at the wildlife center i had a chance to talk to him about what they're uh, what they're planning for freddie this year
3: so yeah like you said we've normally had a uh, pretty steady interest in the in the event it's actually gone from a single just kind of one day 20 minute thing to a, almost a multi-day celebration here in the community so for example these last couple of years uh, when it's been on the weekends we've had almost 450 people um so now with COVID, this is a big switch for us because we're going all virtual now. So it's all going to be online, and, and it's going to be on our uh, social media things like Instagram and Facebook, all those accounts.
4: And from what I understand, it won't be live; it'll be pre-recorded and then played back. Is that right?
3: Correct. Yes.
4: What time can folks, you know, join in to see that?
3: Um, and from what I've been hearing right now, it should be up around noon. Um, you know, barring no major problems going on you know
4: <laughs> i got you. what uh, what are the some of the origins of groundhog day and, uh, and and tell us a little bit about you know how that came to be because i know that's that's always been a big part of this program
3: yeah so groundhog day uh how oh, it started with some with a lot of german immigrants coming over originally over in pennsylvania um and they, they they originally did it back in Europe, and so then they once they got here, they wanted to continue this tradition and uh, about the closest thing they could find is uh, to what they used originally over over there in Europe was a groundhog. so they started doing that and I guess it's just kind of taken off since from there.
4: Talk, what, talk a little about the biology of the groundhog. We don't hear a whole lot about them, but what what would people find unique about these rascals?
3: Yeah, so these guys are uh part of the squirrel family, so they're they're you can kind of think of them as like big chipmunks, big chipmunks. Um, so they're they're ground squirrels. Um, they are very solitary and they only come out they only get ready to come out and they start breeding in the early spring. Um, and that's actually part of why they come out during groundhog day. They start coming out and looking around trying to find uh new burrows to go meet mates at. And once they once they do find mates, and then dad leaves, and mom is left to raise all the pups by her own. Um, it's a it's a pretty I don't want to say harsh, but pretty quick pretty quick growing up period. Once the once the pups are about two months old, mom's kicking them out of the burrow already. So uh, yeah, two months old, and you're out on your own already. Um, they have they live usually about four to six years, and they get to about two feet long usually. Um, usually about 13 pounds, and uh, these guys love to dig and eat. So during the, during the summer, um, they'll, they'll build burrows, and, and well, spring and summer, they'll build burrows. They can excavate up to 700 pounds of dirt out of these burrows. Um, and then during that same time, a lot of farmers may not like it, and they can eat, they can eat about a pound to two pounds of vegetation a day, um, trying to put on that fat and ready for the winter hibernation.
4: And are they true hibernators? Do they go underground and stay there?
3: They do. They're true hibernators. They get, once, they, once they go down, they get down to, their, their body temperature drops to just about right above ambient temperature, um, getting things like, and, and, and what that does is that basically lowers their heart rate down to a couple beats per minute. They don't, uh, a couple breaths per minute, maybe one breath every couple minutes. So they're, they are down and they are uh, quite deep in their sleep
4: kind of almost like a bear, the way they hibernate. Then,
3: yep, yep. Bears and uh, bats, also bats. A lot of bat species do very similar things. So there's quite they're they're well they're, they've got a lot of company in the true hibernator category.
4: <laughs> I got you. All right. Anything else we need to know about uh, either the celebration there at French Creek or uh, or or the virtual celebration or anything about the groundhog you want us to know?
3: Um, uh, not not that I can think of right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think we All right. pretty well.
4: So there we go. That's uh, Trevor Moore, who is the new biologist at the uh, West Virginia Wildlife Center at French Creek. So you're going to have to uh, wait till about noon on Groundhog Day for French Creek Freddy's prediction. They'll have it on the DNR social media sites. You remember last year, Groundhog Day was on a Saturday, man. And we, you know, we we uh, we were had them on live here, and he, uh, you know, previewing the uh, the uh, forecast, and he called for early spring, and it and it happened. He's been pretty accurate over the years, French Creek Freddy, but this year um, his publicist uh, is, is going to have to uh, to tone it down a bit. So, but he'll still come out look around see if he sees the shadow. So we'll uh, I'm sure on Metro News Tuesday we will uh, we will bring that to you. There's one other uh, in, in a moment we're going to be joined by Alex Williams, who's with Help Asheville Bears, about uh, their their work and the, the money that they put up to help with poaching investigations, particularly with bears, not only in North Carolina, but up and down the eastern seaboard. So that'll be coming up. And, uh, and i also tell you a little more about a uh, poaching investigation that was 25 months long and results in charges against a Raleigh County man. That's all still ahead. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back right after this. When you engineer a truck that's built to serve, big things are gonna happen. Like
1: Ram being named the Motor Trend Truck of the Year three years in a row. We're the first truck brand ever to win it back to back to back, and the truck brand known for its legendary and available Hemi V8 engine, e-torque hybrid technology, and innovative features like an available 12-inch touchscreen and multifunction tailgate. For great deals on Ram trucks, go to Ram.com and see your Ram dealer today. Ram and Hemi are registered trademarks of FCA US LLC.
4: In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the mountain state. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia.
5: People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Thanks, sweetie. So, wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with AVO today. That's aceyourretirement.org, a message from AARP and the Ad Council.
0: What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
6: Time, baby going fishing too. That's your life, your sweet wife will catch more fish than you. Many fish bites if you got good bait. Oh, here's a little tip that I would like to relate. Many fish bites if you got good bait. I'm a going fishing, yes,
4: I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing. And we're back on West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you. Coming up, Zach Pittman is the uh, hes the guy who runs WVAngler.com, a fantastic website for fishing in West Virginia. We were planning to be joined by Alex Williams with Help Asheville Bears, an organization that uh, actually cold-called me this week and presented me with this story. And I was skeptical, but they, uh, they had – they said they had given a ten thousand dollar reward to uh, some people who had helped out with the investigation of a bear that was poached in Upshur county and uh, I kept i you know i was i was immediately on alert because anytime somebody calls about that because it it sounded as if it were an anti-hunting anti-trapping group now i didn't i don't i I quizzed him further and he assured me that they were not that. In fact, he said he was a hunter and the uh, head of that organization was also a, uh, uh, I think he was a retired military guy and he was a hunter as well. But what they, their organization was about was, you know, ensuring that, uh, fair pursuit was, was always followed. And they were trying to, uh, put money behind investigations into poaching and, uh, and illegal hunting, which I thought, all right, I'll give you an opportunity, but he hasn't answered. So, um, uh, I thought he might give him a few minutes here on the show, but I have not heard from him this morning. He didn't pick up when we called him, so I guess we'll uh, not hear any more about that. So uh, that that was his opportunity. We did leave him a message in in case uh, they do want to call back. But he, I I don't want you all to think that I would put somebody on here to promote an anti-hunting agenda. Lord, no, <laughs> not at all. But uh, but I do want to promote an anti-poaching agenda here, and that brings me to my next story and you can read more about this at the outdoors page of wvmetronews.com natural resources police this week well actually yeah i guess it was this week or last week they concluded an investigation into uh, the that began in 2018 and i talked this week to officer uh, joshua toner the natural resources police out of beckley and they had arrested they had charged a man with 21 counts after this investigation of an illegally killed ten-point buck in Wyoming County, this is kind of the, the the long and short of it. This guy killed a ten-point buck in archery-only Wyoming County with a rifle at night with a spotlight from a side-by-side UTV on a a hunting lease that he didn't have permission to be on and had already been told to leave several times. That is a pretty long and extensive uh, bunch of missteps. And he ended up paying for it in a big way. This guy, uh, identified as Travis Smith from Beckley, uh, was charged, and I've got the charges listed here, he ended up pleading guilty to six of the 21 charges, but one of them that he pleaded guilty to was the enhanced penalties for taking a trophy buck. That cost him 1500 bucks on top of everything else. So his total fine and replacement fee was $2,901.50. However, it could have been worse. This happened in 2018. Had it happened today, because since then the legislature has put even stiffer penalties into place, for taking a trophy buck, and that same uh, that same violation would have resulted in not a fifteen hundred dollar enhanced penalty, but a five thousand dollar enhanced penalty. And the reason for those is to deter people from taking these trophy bucks that you know are are drawing a lot of hunters and a lot of attention to southern West Virginia. And you can see a picture of the buck. It's a beautiful ten point buck, and Officer Toner is holding it in that story I posted at the outdoors page of WVMetroNews.com. But I did want to bring that to your attention that uh, Natural Resources Police, nice job there, an investigation that literally took 25 months. I guess it got tied up in magistrate court, and due to COVID-19 and due to some difficulty scheduling witnesses and things along those lines, and and the justice system moves slowly. Anyway, it took a long time, but this week they finally nailed that down and, uh, and busted uh, a poacher in Wyoming County that took a uh, – Took a pretty nice buck that will now uh, not be there for the rest of us to have an opportunity to harvest legally. All right, so that uh, that segment was completely train wreck, wasn't it? <laughs> when the guest doesn't show up, then you've got problems. So I uh, guess we will uh, dispatch with that conversation and take our next break uh Ryan, and uh, and we'll go ahead and get Zach Pittman on the line. Now, if Zach's not there, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to, we'll have to call another audible there, but I'm pretty sure we'll get a hold of Zach. That's coming up in a moment right after this. Tired of hanging around the house, itching for adventure, then escape to the Hatfield-McCoy trails. That's right. The trails are open, and while Trailhead facilities will remain closed for now, over 700 miles of high-octane adventure is waiting for you. West Virginia annual resident permits are only $26.50. So get your ticket to ATV Paradise online at trailsheaven.com or see a Hatfield-McCoy retailer and escape to the best trails in the USA. Jim Christie, Senior Project
0: Manager with Civil and Environmental Consultants, talks about working for CEC. Each and every employee is employee owner. We all work together every day. We all watch each other,
6: help each other, and make sure that we're all successful in each and every project. It's a lot to do with the culture that we have, bringing a lot of local people together to work in West Virginia and create
4: projects that we're all proud of.
2: Find out what CEC can do for you. Visit them online at
4: wearecec.com. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails. On Metro News, the voice of West Virginia.
7: You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills, skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries, from healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered, and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council.
8: Hey sis, missed you this morning. Kim told me you weren't feeling well, so I'm just doing a self-care check.
5: Oh, thank you, friend.
8: How you doing?
5: Girl, listen, my energy was so low because I didn't eat breakfast when I got up, so I had to miss virtual yoga with y'all.
8: Trust me, I understand.
5: But I'm doing much better now that I've eaten, so I'm back on track.
8: Great. In that case, let's get some steps in tonight. I'll come over and we can walk around the lake.
5: Sounds good. Appreciate you being in my business, too. Now, let me get in yours. Did you check your blood pressure today?
8: I did that and my squats. Okay? Okay. High blood pressure is not going to be my friend if I can help it. See you at six?
5: Let's get it. See you then.
8: Now more than ever, it's important that we protect our hearts and the hearts of those we love. Check in on one another and be a part of a healthy blood pressure movement. Rally your squad to take the online pledge at releasethepressure.org. Brought to you by the Release the Pressure Coalition and the Ad Council.
4: Welcome back to West Virginia Outdoors. Chris Lawrence with you. If you fish in West Virginia, it is very likely that at some point in time you've come across either on social media or just perusing the internet, uh, wvangler.com. And if you haven't, you probably ought to, because there's a a wealth of information there about fishing in the mountain state. And the man who started it all and keeps keeps that uh, rodeo, within the uh, corral every week is Zach Pittman from Wetzel County who joins us on the show this morning. Zach, how are you?
2: Great. Thanks Thanks for having me today.
4: Oh, glad to have you on, man. You start, uh, I had you on because this thing's a milestone. You started this, what, 20 years ago now? This is your 20th anniversary?
2: It's their 20th anniversary. I was going to school at Fairmont State and I guess I had more love for fishing than I did organic chemistry and uh, I would always find myself on the Elk River, and, you know, there was a great group of guys down there, and, you know, our community kept growing and kept looking back, and we didn't really have a fly fishing group in West Virginia. So uh, this was before Facebook, Facebook was around, and nobody really had cell phones back.
4: Yeah, your, your your signal's breaking up on us a little bit here, speaking of not having cell phones. But <laughs> you're right. It, in those days, 20 years ago, the way that uh, – People kept up with this sort of thing or their passions was message boards, wasn't it? Zach, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it was message boards is how we, we did things back before we had Facebook and other social media. And I think that your your group was a, a message board or outfit, wasn't it?
3: That's pretty
2: much how we started. We, uh, like I said, we started when it was called Geocities back in the day and, uh we came up with kind of a cheaper message board and just a way for people to kind of get together and communicate and kind of create a community of, you know, like minded fly fishermen back in the day.
4: How did, how did it grow? I mean, was it just word of mouth and it grew organically or, or, or talk a little bit about how it developed into what it is today?
2: Um, Pretty much organically, I would say, uh, you know, people you would, you would have back in the day when uh, you'd go fishing and be on the stream and, you know, You'd run into somebody and like, hey, you're on that website. So, word of mouth, even just on the stream, people fish it. It just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. So, it's kind of an organic, kind of a growth through the day, years.
4: How did you police it? How did you keep guys from, how did you keep it positive and keep guys from bickering and infighting and all that, the kind of nonsense that seems to happen on the internet when you got keyboard warriors? I mean, how, how were you able to, to keep that, keep the whole thing together without, devolving into that.
2: That's one of the biggest and hardest things. I don't care what platform you're on is kind of having some of that, have a great group of guys. Uh, One of the guys that really does a lot of the IT work, Jonathan Payne and a lot of other moderators. Uh, We took away, you know, talking politics and stuff like that. And, you know, like a lot of filthy language. So we made sure, you know, Hey, you're going to post, you're not going to post, you know, berating other members. You're not going to post political stuff. So, We just kept it about fishing and made it positive. Yeah, and kind of stayed away from that.
4: You're exactly right that it's hard to police that, especially nowadays because you got you know robots that just crank out that garbage, and uh, and and it's hard for you know even a team of humans to to keep all of that tamp down. So, yeah that 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 can and that can wreck whatever your platform is pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, it can create an ugly resource there. Where like I said, it's not really about fishing; it's about something else. So. That was our positive thing. We wanted to keep this all about West Virginia and about fly fishing. And you know, so many people helped me get into this sport. So we wanted to give back to everybody and you know, make it a positive thing about West Virginia.
4: When you talk about fly fishing, have you allowed it to to go beyond fly fishing to just to to any you know hook pursuit in the state or any kind of fishing? I'm I'm sure that that sort of stuff even positively works its way in there.
2: It works its way in there. I mean, we're we're uh, mainly a fly fishing group. Um, a lot of guys in there are very conservation minded uh, there 's a lot of other guys i mean we don't we 're not a trout based you know kind of community um, which is what the state offers it offers you know bass musky there 's a lot of musky guys that fish on you know pentacle and uh, bass and stuff so yeah there 's a lot of that in there, but there 's a lot of fly fishermen based off there so that 's probably our majority.
4: you say that you, it started with fishing on the Elk river. Uh, with just a handful of guys, did you all all fish together, or were you friends before this? And, and or, or did you meet them at the river? I mean, how did it? How did this come to be?
2: Most of us kind of basically met on the river. I mean, you would uh, you know you fish all day, you get done, and um, and fly fishing, and you'd fish. and mean, fishing, you catch this spinner fall at the end of the night. So basically, everybody would meet up at the parking lot, and you'd be hanging out at the tailgate. So it kind of started from that. You know, everybody just kind of community grabbing together. Then uh, we got into conservation efforts down on the Elk too, and we started doing cleanups and stuff like that. So, kind of more from like a group of people, kind of basically meeting on the river. Than probably even more people meeting through WV Angler on the river. So, wow, kind of grew that way. Did you did
4: you ever promote it or 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 advertise or or do anything like that to try and and bolster your numbers and get more people involved?
2: Uh, we did a little, you know. As face groups and booking and stuff grew, we did a lot of advertising that way. And uh, like I said, Jonathan Payne—he's basically my IT guy now. So you know, we've we've been through fly shops in different places to the state. So we've kind of did it that way. We we never do a huge kind of advertising push because we don't we don't want to be that big organic thing out there. We just want to be this low key kind of helping people.
4: Just a bunch of guys like to fish.
2: <laughs> that's pretty much what we are you're
4: yes. not you're not you're not trying to to, to be an, a, an internet superstar you just you just like to talk fishing with other friends i get it that's cool so
2: I just want to talk fishing and want to help other people get into fishing and like i said we want to promote the mountain state which all the great things we have to offer here so
4: i had a i had a message from somebody well it was friday actually he sent me a message and said hey you need to you need to do a story." on the guys from WV Angler, and he said, Zach does a great job with this thing. He said, they're celebrating 20 years. He said, and this was the other thing that he said that made me realize he's right. He said, I have met so many people that I don't even know and would have never met through that website and through that social media group and have learned so much about fishing that he goes, and and it's just made me a better fisherman, and it's helped me to find more places to fish, to enjoy you know the sport so much more and i think that is exactly what
2: you were trying to do with this Yeah, that's exactly what i was trying to do when i started um it's it's amazing we did a 20 for 20 kind of giveaway you know trying to get everybody's mind off 2020 and you know covid and all that stuff and celebrating 20 years so you know our goal was to get everybody's mind like hey let's talk fishing again so you know we got everybody on that just talking fishing and one of the last days was, you know, what WV Angler meant to you and seeing some of those posts that, you know, the connections that people made, lifelong connections, that somebody they didn't even know, you know, met through there. They have a fishing person for, you know, friend for life or something like that. It's it's amazing, the you know, the connections we've been able to create with people and people you've been able to, you know, give information to and get started in the sport. It's amazing how it did that for people.
4: Golly, it almost sounds like a dating website,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but for fishing. Do you want to date them? You want to date a fish?
4: Hey, it's, it's perfect for you. <laughs> you, sound, you sound like that guy that does the dating website commercials. Like we have put more fishermen together than uh, than anyone else. So, Zach Pittman, our guest this morning, he's from and you're from Wetzel County, right? I'm from Wetzel County. That's right not up in
2: the panhandle on the High River.
4: That's not exactly uh, the first place people think of when they think fly fishing, is it? <laughs>
2: Uh, probably not. You know, like I said, we got the higher River right out of our back door, so this is a warm water area. But that's a great thing about this state—we offer something for everybody. How so did? It how doesn't really matter where you're at. Let me
4: let me take a break, but I, I got more questions for you, and I want to talk some fishing with you here in just a moment. We're talking to Zach Pittman of wvangler.com, dot com, and the uh, and they also have a, a big presence on Facebook. We'll have uh, more with Zach coming up right after this.
1: When you engineer a truck that's built to serve, big things are going to happen like Ram being named the Motor Trend Truck of the Year three years in a row. We're the first truck brand ever to win it back to back to back, and the truck brand known for its legendary and available Hemi V8 engine, e-torque hybrid technology, and innovative features like an available 12-inch touchscreen and multifunction tailgate. For great deals on Ram trucks, go to Ram.com and see your Ram dealer today. Ram and Hemi are registered trademarks of FCA US LLC.
4: In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the mountain state. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. you're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia.
9: Meet Bob Minetti.
4: My wife and I just celebrated 45 memorable years together. She and my daughter Katie are my anchors.
9: Bob and Wendy spent time fundraising for health care causes.
4: I guess I liked it so much I decided to become a patient.
9: In 2016, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer.
4: I assumed that there was no hope for people with my diagnosis.
9: Bob participated in a clinical trial that included cutting-edge radiation therapy and surgery. He's been in remission since completion.
4: I'm so glad that I learned about what was possible for me.
9: I'm Keisha Sharp. Since losing my mother to pancreatic cancer, I've been working to ensure that everyone facing this diagnosis knows about the immense progress being made. Stand Up to Cancer and Lust Garden Foundation are working together to make every person diagnosed into a long term survivor like Bob. Visit pancreaticcancercollective.org.
8: When it feels like the world has stopped, good finds a way. Good is happening even now. Good connects us. Even when we can't get close. Good never stops. And neither does Children International. With support from caring friends, we help provide children and families with the critical essentials they need. Essentials like food assistance, Hygiene education, medical help, and financial support. To learn more, go to children.org slash help today. Together, we can help end poverty for good.
4: We're back on West Virginia Outdoors and we're joined this morning on the show by Zach Pittman of WV They are celebrating twenty years of what is probably the largest uh certainly the largest fly fishing based website in West Virginia and social media group. I think I think probably the bass fishing guys, they've got their own forums and they, you know, they they kind of congregate together as well. But for fly fishing, Zach, I'd say you guys are probably it, aren't you?
2: We are probably the pinnacle in the mountain of the State right now. And probably have been.
4: Talk a li- you you mentioned something interesting there a moment ago, and you would have the authority to talk about this. You grew up fishing the Ohio River and, and, and some of those streams there in Wetzel County Fishing Creek and so forth, where there were warm water and not a lot of trout fishing goes on there and, and not a lot of fly fishing is would, would would happen there. How did you get started fly fishing and how did you how how were you lured to explore some of the mountain streams where fly fishing is far more conducive to the water?
2: Uh, not back then it wasn't an easy thing to get into. I mean, traveling, going places in Arkansas like the White River and the Little Red River, where you know you hear about a lot about. Um, the the need for wanting to try something different and uh, more challenging, taking a fish by a fly, isn't always the easiest thing to do. You no, know, I grew up stock trout fishing and, you know, chasing, you know, shavers fork and stuff like that. But need to want to try something more, then it just keeps growing into something else like, hey, can we take a bass on a fly, you know, can we take a muskie on a fly, which is extremely challenging, but it just keeps growing into, you know, you want to try something bigger and, you know, then you realize the community that's out there once you get into it, it's you know, it's an amazing thing that people have such a, you know, concern for conservation that it keeps growing it even more so. You know, at first, it's not easy to get into, especially depending on where you're at. But you know, that need kind of like bow hunting compared to hunting. It's that little more challenge that you're giving yourself.
4: Yeah, yeah, I can, I can certainly see that. Did did your uh, did your did your dad have a lot to do with this, or, or did you have a relative or a friend or somebody that uh, that sort of pushed you this way, or was it just something you pursued on your own?
2: Uh, you know, personally my own. My parents were, a, you know, a great person to get me in the outdoors. My dad was always in Boy Scouts, and my mom helped as well. So, you know, they were the people that honestly gave me like great opportunities in life, whether it be, you know, camping for a month on the Elk River during college. Um, they pretty much pushed me into the outdoors and, you know, make sure I had an opportunity to try something. So, they kind of gave that, you know, push from the beginning of just being in the outdoors and, you know, trying something new constantly. So, Kind of kept morphing to the you know mm. fly fishing a little bit. Did you say camping for a month on the Elk River? Yeah, that's what I said. Holy cow! <laughs> I, I, I guess when you're uh I guess when you're going to college and you know you have summers off, you you just go fishing if you want to. So. Well, I I can kind of certain, fun up.
4: I can understand that. I mean, when I was in college, I mean, while well, a lot of my friends were partying, I was doing the same thing. I was I'd go fishing even if it was. I was at the University of Tennessee, and I literally would fish off the bank beside Thompson Bowling As- uh, Assembly Center and Arena uh, into the Tennessee River right there off campus. And then, you know, there were times too that I'd go and skip class Friday and I'd fish somewhere like that. But I don't think I ever spent a month on on a on a creek at any point. I'm not I'm not sure I could pull that off. <laughs> that's that's impressive
2: it was a fun experience that probably is where the Elk River roots even come even more so because you know when we're starting out, down there constantly it kind of kind of grew into you know something even more meeting people on the river so I was, it was gonna, a fun experience growing up I was going to say if you spend a month
4: on a river you better know it better than everybody <laughs> back then I know it
2: pretty good it was it was it was fun fishing all the time.
4: How did that start? Did you start at the up at the headwaters and work your way down, or did you stay in one place the whole time? I mean, how did you plan that
2: out? Uh, you know, we I fished through the campground on the Tigers. I stayed there, so we fished on the Tiger So, um, the catch and release right there in the oak, going uh, clear up to the headwaters and slidey Fork. So, you know, you just hit a little different section maybe each day or something, and just keep growing. You know, you find a brook trout stream, and hey, let's go chase some brookies today. Or, which is, you know, that's what blockfish is all about. You just find a stream and say, hey, let's go try this today. Try something new.
4: You know, that for for many many years, the DNR was very protective of those native brook trout streams, just because they were so fragile, and they didn't they didn't really advertise where they were. I mean, they acknowledged that they're there. And there were a handful of guys who were, you know, willing to put in the, the time and the effort to find them. But you couldn't find any guide to to streams, you know, and things like that. And it was people like you who, you know, did most of the the research and then started talking on the Internet. And I think that that has opened those up. And, and I think it also, at the same time that it opened it up and gave more people an opportunity to go fish them, I think it also at the same time guarded against what the DNR was worried about and I think people appreciate those native streams and realize that it's a fragile species, but it's also a very special place and and something we need to be careful of.
2: Yeah, they did I give DNR a complete shout out. They do great things in the state that a lot of people don't really see Um, in my position and working with the new trout management plan. They did and are doing amazing things, but you know, even going back to when we started the Angler, it was, I remember, a very interesting time. If You know, people put stream names out there. they It was not always taken greatly, but through the years, you know, especially I've been around 20 years, it's its grown a lot, and people were a lot more open to things. Um, you would hear brook trout streams back then that wasn't mentioned, like you said. Now, you know, it's a lot more freely. And one thing that does, I mean, the elk was even part of this, you don't have anybody really fishing it, you know, caring for it, and you know, maybe making that your stream. Something happens to it. If you know you have some kind of issue on it, you're not going to have people rally together to support that as much. So, you have these people fishing it and taking care of that resource. When something does happen, and you need that support to protect it. You're going to have it there when people are caring for it. So, you know, us coming together as a group, we did that for several places like the Upper Elk and stuff like that that you know needed help at the time. So. It's one thing it's did great through the years is, you know, the DNR, you know, kind of lightened some of that out and, you know, that becoming more popular, it's, it's, it's helped the community come together to support these places.
4: That's a fantastic point. You're exactly right. You've, if, if nobody's fishing it and you're keeping it all to yourself, well, you're going to be on your own when something happens to it and you're trying to fight the battle to, to preserve it or save it or protect it. And you're right. There's strength in numbers there and you're, that's what your group has done in many ways.
2: That's one of the big things we did. Like I said, I know on the upper end we had some uh, sewer treatment plant issues with snowshoe, and you know we came together as a community to fight that and keep that off the Slady Fork area. And they moved it up, you know, on the mountain. But if you don't have that group there that's you know willing to come together and say this place is important, we need to save that. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it might go by the wayside. We might not have trout in there. So it's Mm -hmm. important to have that community at times for that. And you know, it.
4: We're talking about the native brook trout streams here, obviously that are always fragile, but they are very special places in West Virginia because of you know the, those are the, the the native trout to the state. But it's other species and other you know other guys and other fishing organizations have have done similar work. I think about when I started this show back in uh, 1994, four, first first few months I was on the air, the guys with the Husky Musky Club. I mean they came on and we were talking about what they did. They would have a muskie tournament and they would fish an entire year. And at the end of the year, everybody would send in a picture of if they got one muskie, that was a big deal. Now you got people that are that'll go and uh, and can expect to catch, you know, five or six muskies a day or more and they're getting them in trophy size. But the, the difference is I think people are, are more respectful of, of what it takes to grow a muskie and and they do a they are much more appreciative of the experience and are trying to take care of the resource. And I think that, you know, it, it, it's, it's that way in a lot of things
2: in the outdoors. It's a lot of big part to it. I mean, muskie especially, they're a fragile. Everybody sees them as this predator fish, this huge fish, but they're a fragile fish. Um, like you said, you know, muskies ain't in a lot of places. Uh, we, we put a lot of information out there because a lot of our, you know, people on our forum, they enjoy fishing for muskies, especially on a fly. And, you know, you get into summer month and the water gets way too warm, that's a fragile creature. They might not be able to take being released. So it's, it's important to put that. It's kind of an education thing, too, to put that information out there. that people don't realize the importance of catch and release, and you put this fish back, you'll be able to catch it again. So. That, that's part of it, too, is just educating people so they understand what this resource that we have here is.
4: Zach Pittman of WVAngler.com, our guest this morning, celebrating 20 years of this website message board and basically communications organization and virtual group that's done great things for fishing, particularly fly fishing in West Virginia. Zach, hang on. i got to take our final break, and we'll wrap up our conversation in a moment right after this. When you
1: engineer a truck that's built to serve, big things are going to happen like Ram being named the Motor Trend Truck of the Year three years in a row. We're the first truck brand ever to win it back to back to back, and the truck brand known for its legendary and available Hemi V8 engine, e-torque hybrid technology, and innovative features like an available 12-inch touchscreen and multifunction tailgate. For great deals on Ram trucks, go to Ram.com and see your Ram dealer today. Ram and Hemi are registered trademarks of FCA US LLC.
3: Devonna Corley, Director of Strategic Client Development with Civil and Environmental Consultants, talks about her road to CEC.
4: My road to CEC was a little unique, but I am so happy that it led me to where I'm at today. So as a West Virginia native, it's very important to me that we leave our communities better than we find them. And I'm very happy to be a small part of an economic driver to bring projects to north-central West Virginia and the entire state.
3: Find out what CEC can do for you at we Are CEC.
4: You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia.
6: COVID-19 can hit and hurt everywhere and everyone, but children living in the world's poorest places face the greatest risks of all. For more than 80 years, Child Fund has been working across Africa, Asia, and the Americas, Helping millions of vulnerable children. And now we're working even harder to see that families have what they need to keep their kids from going hungry and to meet other needs. All so children can grow up healthy, educated, and safe. As we socially distance, COVID 19 pushes us apart. But as we help children around the world, we pull together. In the biggest emergency response in our 80-year history, Child Fund is working to make sure that children not only survive this pandemic, but thrive beyond it. Learn more at childfund.org. As America's leading CEOs, businesses, and brands, we're 100% in for democracy. That's why we've encouraged our employees and customers to make their voices heard in this year's historic election. We celebrate the record number of voters who cast their ballots. We thank poll workers and recognize elections officials as the trusted source for results. And we encourage patience as officials count every vote. America's democracy is strong. Our companies are united. We support our employees and our customers And we support the communities where we live, where we work, and where we vote. Together, we're 100% in for democracy. Join us at CivicAlliance.com.
4: Welcome back to West Virginia Outdoors. we got a few minutes to go today, in our conversation with Zach Pittman, the creator and moderator at uh, wvangler.com, a fly fishing website, but you all cater to all, all groups there. How many people have you had, Zach, who have come to you and said, you know, I, I've always wanted to learn how to fly fish, but never did really know how or where to go learn? I mean, how many of those kind of stories do you have? Is there quite a few of them?
2: Well, there is a lot of those. I mean we like I said we did a twenty for twenty wrap up and people commented and then the people that commented that you know this is what got them started in the sport and they've got them fly fishing, and they fly fish constantly now. It's I would say honestly hundreds of people that wow. that's how they got started in the sport. Yeah. Frankly,
4: I don't know how to fly fish. Uh everybody has threatened to teach me, but <laughs> I'm so bad at it. I don't think I could ever master it. And uh, and since I was raised up as a uh as a uh, throw them and jerk them kind of guy, one thing I did notice was when I tried to fish uh, with a with a fly rod, it's there's a lot more finesse to it, and I'm more of like the bull in the china shop. I want to set the hook the way you do a you know with with bass fishing gear, and that just doesn't work out. Is what I've learned.
3: It's 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 not
2: as hard as some people make it. I, it's what I try I try to put it in simplistic terms. You know, sometimes on the hooks set, you do have to be a little bit easier, but um, it, it's not as hard to get started. People make it sound more complicated with, you know, oh, you need all this gear and stuff. You make it as simple as you can starting out. It's, it's, it's easy to get involved in, and we have so many great streams here that it's anybody can get started easy, in my opinion. I want to give you
4: an opportunity. If If you could only fish one place left, where would that be? I mean, you're only allowed to fish one stream the rest of your life. What are you picking?
2: Uh, that would be probably easy. In this state it would be the Elk River because if you really think about the Elk River, what it provides for people, you know, you think of the upper end you have brook trout, brown trout. Then we get down to the bottom of the Elk, you know, we have muskie and smallmouth and all line yards. So that one stream, you know, it provides everything for us in this state that fishing to me it provides from trout to bass the muskie to everything
4: you know you're right about that i had not ever even thought about that but the elk river has every species that you could ever want and it's largely a clean river from top to bottom
2: i mean yeah it's you know you think it from the headwaters clear down below it has everything
4: yeah until you get down to just above charleston you don't really even have any kind of industry or or anything of course we found out you know with the water crisis that it it can at times be threatened but uh, that was on the very lower end of it here it it really is a a stream that does not have a whole lot of uh, of uh, at least industrial threat on it un- unlike a lot of others in West Virginia so
2: what uh w- go ahead it's a special stream and that's like i said we been talking about coming together to support things places like that that's the places that need it
4: yeah, exactly. Uh, what are, do you, where, do, where do you go from here? You've reached a 20-year milestone. I mean, have you, have you reached the pinnacle of what you want this to be, or do you think it could be something bigger? Did, it sounds to me like if it gets much bigger, it's going to turn into your full-time job, and then it would no longer be fun. It'd be a job.
2: It's always fun. Um, you know, fly fishing has taken me clear across this country. I get to do fly fishing shows with a company called VitaVoo and, you know, go to some of the biggest fly fishing companies in the world and fly fly fishing people. Um, To me, the members are what makes it. So it can only go bigger. Um, Myself and Jonathan Payne, we keep moderating and we keep adding. Um, It can only go, keep going. I mean, I don't care how big it goes. Just as long as we're sharing the state, we're sharing the sport, we're sharing conservation. Uh, We continue to work with people like Trout Unlimited, Project Healing Waters and stuff. It can only keep growing.
4: That's awesome. Zach Pittman, uh, I posted a link to wvangler.com where you can like them on Facebook and, uh, and check them out. I think you'll find some folks there. Even if you're not a fly fisherman, you will find kindred spirits that want to protect the waters of West Virginia, and that's what it's all about. Zach, great work, buddy. Congratulations on 20 years, and thanks for coming on and talking fishing with us a little this morning. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll see you later. Zach Pittman, the site is wbangler.com. That's going to wrap up the show this week. Y'all have a great one. I'll talk to you next Saturday in the West Virginia Outdoors.